630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, just in case you forgot, and I can't imagine how you could forget, Connor McDavid is really, 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 I can put in one more really, I think I will, really good at hockey. Yes, he is. And he's nominated for the Hart Trophy for the league's most valuable player award, along with Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche and Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And as I said to Jay Lynn, probably could hand him the award now, but they, they won't do that. But what a year. And we'll talk about that in a moment. The Montreal Canadiens could have an opponent in their Stanley Cup semifinal tonight. The Vegas Golden Knights hold a 3-2 series lead. They're at home against the Colorado Avalanche. And another pressure game for the Avalanche led by Nathan McKinnon. Can they force a game seven? This series, you would think, had seven games written all over it, but the Knights found a way in game number five to win that game in overtime after being really the second best team on the ice, but they found a way and they got it done. So they'll see if they can advance uh, tonight to the Stanley Cup semifinal. Then it would all be set because last night, a 6-2 win by the New York Islanders means that the uh, other semifinal set, Islanders and Lightning, will uh, get underway in Tampa. We believe on Sunday, that's according to John Shannon, who uh, I would not uh, question his intel and his info because he is very well connected. The NHL hasn't released a schedule yet, but uh, Sunday appears to be the day. And if that is the day, uh, we will bring it to you right here on 630 Chet. Stanley Cup semifinal coverage and the Stanley Cup final as well, right here on 630 Chet, the voice of the Oilers and the voice of the National Hockey League. Good evening, everyone, on a rainy Thursday. It's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins. Reed taking the week off. So you got me tonight and you got me tomorrow as well. So coming up, we'll talk with uh, Bob Stoffer at the bottom of the hour about McDavid's nomination. And uh, a lot of people getting a little upset about Devin Shore re-signing. Two years, $850,000. If anything, maybe two years is a little bit of a surprise. But at the same time, uh, is this not good value for a player who you can put on the fourth line who can penalty kill? But there's a lot of people that don't like it. I'm kind of wondering why. So we'll talk to Bob about that uh, as well as uh, we move along here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Uh, Edmonton Oil Kings GM Kurt Hill will join us as well. Uh, his team basically swept all the awards. I mean, they won the Central Division. It was only a 24-game season for the Oil Kings. But we'll talk about the awards and we'll talk about uh, Sebastian Kosa and Dylan Gunther who are going to be projected first-round draft picks. I mean, Kosa might be around where the Oilers will pick. That would be enticing to pick Kosa, you would think. Hmm. I mean, there's Stuart Skinner on the farm, but that would be intriguing if they would uh, go with the local product there as far as the uh, the, the local team. Um, so that's interesting. So we'll talk to Kurt about that. Uh, Tanner, the bulldozer Bozer, who a uh, UFC fighter, who is uh, only down to one fight or has one fight left on his contract, uh, had a controversial split decision go against him. At a, at a UFC event in Vegas on the weekend, watch the fight uh, today. And I mean, I don't know when you have four times more, four times more strikes than your opponent, <laughs> you would think you would win. I don't know. Uh, but we'll talk to Tanner about that. And a really cool story, uh, Edmonton Riverhawks allowing 190 students from Vimy Ridge baseball Academy 
to use their facility tomorrow for a grad ceremony. That is pretty cool. So we'll hear from Jamie Wilson, who's a coach at uh, Vimy Ridge, um, about that as well uh, later on tonight. That is really, really cool. So we got the table set for you. And Connor McDavid named a finalist for the Hart Trophy. And let's just remind you what he did. 33 goals, 72 assists, 105 points in 56 games. Pretty remarkable. Yes, it was against one division, but we all know that's just the way it was this year. Uh, had a points percentage or points per game average of 1.88. That is most by any player since 95-96 when Mario Lemieux of the Pittsburgh Penguins averaged 2.30. And McDavid won the Hart Trophy back in 2016-17, finished third in voting in 2018-19, becoming to uh, seeking to become the fifth player in NHL history to capture the award multiple times before his 25th birthday. After Wayne Gretzky, six times he won it. Bobby Orr won it three times before the age of 25. Gordy Howe won it twice. Alex Ovechkin won it twice. And if McDavid wins, and I believe he will win. He would also make the Oilers the first team with different Hart Trophy winners in consecutive seasons since the Bruins back in 68-69 when Phil Esposito and Bobby Orr won it in back-to-back seasons. Austin Matthews is the other, there's the second nominee, or the next nominee, I should say. League leading 41 goals in 52 games, helped the least earn the top seed in the division for the sixth time in franchise history and the first time since 99-2000. Uh, became the first Maple Leaf in history to capture the Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy, which was first awarded back in 1998-1999, and first Leaf player since 45-46 to pace the NHL in goals. Also led the league with 12 game winners, 222 shots on goal, and accounted for 22% of Toronto's 186 total goals. Nathan McKinnon, fourth in the NHL, career high, 1.35 points per game, had 20 goals, 45 Assists for 65 points in 48 games. The Avalanche had the top-ranked offense in the uh, franchise's third president trophy uh, in their history. One back in 96-97 uh, and 2000-2001. Finished uh, among the league's leaders in shots on goal. Uh, power play points, third with 25. Assists with uh, 45, that was good for fifth. Points with 65, that was eighth. So off this list... I'm not going to harp on it too much. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who was finished second in scoring 21 points back of his teammate, was left off. So, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I have to look this up when teammates were nominated for the award. I, I don't know how long that would have been anyway, but a uh, little surprising. But I don't know if it was over. This is overly a big deal or not. But uh, we know McDavid's going to win this. We know. We know. Uh, back to hockey in a moment. But uh, the CFL, they are clearing some hurdles here. Uh, first, the CFL Players Association came out today and said that they have ratified the amendments to the CBA to uh, basically clear the way for a 2021 season starting on August the 5th. So home quarantines would begin June, uh, June 25th and training camps would begin summer around July 10th. Could be a bit later. So the league and the players have an agreement. Now it's in the hands of the CFL Board of Governors. 
who will vote on this on Monday. And apparently this is not a unanimous vote. Seven of nine teams have to vote in favor. But there is some weird clause that says if the teams that vote against it cite financial reasons, then there's some provision that they can play or they, they don't have to play. So it's, you know, one of those things where we love the CFL, but sometimes the CFL makes you shake their head. But it does appear that the way is being paid for a 2021 season. This isn't like last year where it was, honestly, it was hoping against hope that they could get the bubble and a, a six-game season underway in October. And uh, that didn't happen, obviously. This tone is a lot different. Uh, now, a, a couple hurdles have been cleared as well. An official with the Public Health Agency of Canada uh, telling the Canadian press the federal government has received the CFL's request for national interest exemption for a modified quarantine for the upcoming season. That is a must. So it's like the NHL quarantine, which got changed from 14 days to seven days that would be that would be very key that's part of the any or the uh, cfl's return to play protocol and uh, the official added ottawa's reviewing in an, in an, uh, it in consultation with provincial health authorities and also a big step in the right direction is the fact that they would not see phac would not look at the proposals unless the provinces have signed off on it and that is what has happened and Chris Preston said this about nine days ago, that all provinces, the six provinces, have signed on the, off on this, written and verbal. So now PHAC will look at it. Now, as far as the uh, return to play, uh, like the details, and this is according to uh, Dave Naylor from TSN, who does great work. Um, Okay, so rosters would be reduced from 46 to a max of 44. So don't believe there would be any scratches because right now you have two scratches, if you forgot. 46-man roster, but it's a 44-game uh, day roster. One global player per team, two quarterbacks. Practice rosters can be expanded by five as long as the border slash quarantine remains. Um, this is interesting too, according to uh, Dave Naylor. CFL may add two teams to playoff formula. And that might be the event in the event the league is unable to start on time on August 5th and regular season becomes reduced. But see if that plays into, into the plans. Remember last year when uh, there was the, uh, the win and host model for Grey Cup because Saskatchewan was supposed to have it, wasn't going to happen. So it was going to be maybe an eight-game schedule, a 10-game schedule, and they would let eight teams in the playoffs and you have a one versus eight, two versus seven that sort of thing, just to, you know, hey, why not? Let's let's just do it. We're in a pandemic. We're trying to play. So didn't happen, obviously, because there was no season. So that would be interesting if that happened. Uh, there will be no training camp. So Jamie Elizondo, the Edmonton Elks head coach, pretty much predicted this. Um, and we have to get more clarity on this. 35% of a stadium capacity must be open to fans in order to stage a stage again. Now, uh, Dave also clarified that later and said that the league commits to a play of minimum of 10 games as long as 35% of stadiums are open. It could still opt to play with less than 35%. And this is likely moot if there's a yes vote on Monday to play a 14-game schedule. So the pathway is there. It's like they're on the five-yard line. It's first and goal. 
they have the play call. They have the play that will get them in the end zone. Now they just have to get the ball in the end zone. But it is the CFL Board of Governors, and they have a tendency to make things a little more dramatic and suspenseful than maybe need be. But we are this, this close. Oh, so very, very close to having a 2021 season, which will be good. You'll hear from Devin Shore in a moment here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. forget the uh, hotline for uh, certainty it's uh, 780-496-0063 that is to call or text and brought to you by certainty professional grade building materials pro all the way uh, section o miss you buddy if i win the lotto max tomorrow i'll personally fund the difference in revenue for the teams whatever gets a yes vote for monday let's go that's from Matt from Section O. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree with you, brother. Absolutely. Uh, so Devin Shore signs a two-year deal, $850,000 yesterday. Uh, and he spoke with Bob Stoffer earlier today on Oilers Now to talk about earning a second contract with the Oilers. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, I, I know we're, we're really pumped and and uh, I, I had a really good uh, really good time playing with with that group last year. It was, it was a it was a privilege and an honor to be in Oilers. We're we're pumped to be back. Obviously, it didn't end end the way anybody expected or or wanted to. But you but no one will be back. It is makes it that much more exciting to you know to keep the grind going and and to, to keep improving. And, and yeah, just to, to add on that, it was, it was definitely a, a more stressful off season last year. But that's all part of part of being a pro. So you, you try to take it in stride and just. Just enjoy the journey, uh, the ups and the downs. But uh, no, we're we're pumped. And and there's no guarantee that Devin Shore is an everyday player. Okay, he's probably a 12th to 14th forward. But eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a guy that works as hard as he does, and provides you with a good penalty killing skill set, and who's not a bad finisher for the minutes he plays. He did have a couple empty net goals, I think, this year, and he had one shorthanded goal. So, yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's not a deal that's going to break the bank. It's not a deal that's going to really affect Ken Holland's plan. So I think for a player that can do what he can do, I mean, why why let him go and find, you know, find another player that can do the equivalent of what a Devin Shore can do? Or, you know, his five-on-five five game has to get better, but everyone's five-on-five five game who he plays with has to get better. So, just hard to equate all that stuff and all the analytics comes in the analytics for Devin Shore I know it's not great but you know you look what he did in the playoffs for example played too high up in the lineup but he worked hard I thought he excelled unfortunately just couldn't finish the orders need depth and they're not going to be looking to Devin Shore to score 20 goals every time he gets in the lineup they're going to look to him to be a good energy player and to limit the mistakes and can he limit the mistakes better? Yes. But so can everyone else who plays on the fourth line. So let's discuss that, discuss McDavid, discuss much more with Bob Stoffer, the uh, color analyst on the Oilers Radio Network and the host of Oilers Now. Vegas Golden Knights host game six of the Pacific Division final coming up in about uh, 45 minutes or, yeah, about 45 minutes from now. 
as uh, they have a chance with a 3-2 lead over the Colorado Avalanche to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal and face the Montreal Canadiens. Tampa Bay Lightning will host the New York Islanders, we believe, Sunday in Game 1 of their Stanley Cup semi. We'll be on with Stoff in a moment. Gambling for Reed Wilkins tonight. One Stanley Cup playoff game on the docket, and it's in Vegas. The Golden Knights with a chance to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal to take on the Montreal Canadiens, host the the uh, Colorado Avalanche in Game Six of the Pacific Division Final. The Bruins uh, out because the Islanders ousted them last night, six-two, to win their series in six games they take on the Tampa Bay Light or yeah the Tampa Bay Lightning in a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference final even though we do not have conferences this year um, I would imagine we will have them next year uh, we got a couple of NBA playoff games tonight on the schedule one going on right now in Milwaukee the uh, Bucks lead the Nets 32 26 the Nets have a two games to none lead in their second round Eastern Conference playoff series. James Harden out again for the Nets. He's only played 36 seconds of the series, and that was the first 36 seconds of this series back in game at number one. And still to come, the Utah Jazz at home to the L.A. Clippers. And uh, I have no idea who's leading that series. Just a second. Ah, oh, there we go. It is the uh, Jazz leading one game to none. Toronto Blue Jays in action tonight. They are in Chicago to take on the White Sox. And 3-0, the White Sox leading the Blue Jays. Well, this man needs no introduction, but I'll give him one. I'll try and give him a unique one. The uh, ah, He's heard this before. He's the biggest Alabama Crimson Tide fan and should be happy that Nick Saban has signed an extension to the 2028 season. It is the one and only Bob Stoffer, the host of Oilers Now and color analyst on the Oilers Radio Network and someone I'm always happy to talk to on these radio airways. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Good, Dave. How are you? Just uh, uh, I'm great. Uh, yeah, for the record, I, I, I'm not even sure I'm the biggest Alabama fan amongst uh, a group of guys I know. I, you know, there's, uh, I think you know Jack Hookson from Pro-Am Sports. He's an Alabama fan. Uh, a guy named Tyler, oh. H- Tyler Hupka, who's a hardcore old-school Eskimo fan, now an Edmonton Elks fan. He, too, is an Alabama yep. fan. Uh, what I like is, is I like structure and process that's elite. And um, there was a time that the University of Alberta Athletics Department was like that. I'm not necessarily convinced that's the case anymore. Uh, but in terms of what Alabama does, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's now you are talking about a coach that with his extension is going to top out at about $10.5 million a year, which lends itself to why aren't the players being paid too if they can afford to pay Nick that. But, they're, you know, yeah. he's the thing that I admire about him is he's evolved with the time. You know, he, when he came up through Michigan State and then on to LSU, his teams were ball control, run-oriented at offenses with, you know, smash-mouth tough defenses. He brought that with him to Alabama. That's how they won their first couple of national championships. 
And then in the mid-2010s, Bama ran into a little bit of a, you know, around 12, 13, 13, 14, and around that time where teams with spread option offenses were giving them trouble, and they started recruiting spread option quarterbacks and playmakers at receiver and opened the vertical stretch game up and went to hurry up offenses and, and tempo offenses, and, and it just shows you how a guy can... Uh, you know, uh, evolve with time. So, uh, you know, it's an, it's it's interesting to watch. You get to work in the day-to-day minutia of football, you and Morley, on the CFL, and I'm really happy. It looks like today the players ratified. Let's get back after it. Let's get you guys going, too. Now, how old is Nick Saban? Oh, I think he's got to be 68 off the top of my head without cheating okay. here. I'll, I'll look it up online right now. Uh, so it's going to be mid-70s when this contract is through, which is, I mean, that's amazing. I mean... I mean the, the the longevity that he has and the uh, I mean he's like you say what ten and ten and a half million dollars a year yeah he's good like why would he go back to the NFL yeah. he he's got a good gig now well he's yeah and he's sixty nine uh, he turns seventy in Oct- uh, end of October uh, this year he'll be making nine point three million dollars so uh, but I think it uh, <laughs> I, re- I read at the end of the because it's basically it takes him six more years to ten point eight I mean. You're, you're talking about a program. Uh, how many first-round picks did they have in last year's? Did they have six? I think they had six first-round picks in the NFL draft. They are mm-hmm. as elite as elite is, and they are constantly evolving, which I thoroughly admire. And and that's what the best organizations do. They don't sit there and, uh, you know, stay sort of stagnant. They, they continue to grow, and that's one of the things that they've done. Speaking of elite, you get to watch Connor McDavid on a game-by-game basis. And no surprise, he's a Hart Trophy candidate, 105 points, 1.88 points per game average, uh, the best since Mario Lemieux in 95-96 when he had a 2.30 average. I mean, yes, it's Austin Matthews and Nathan McKinnon he's up against, but uh, I've been saying all night, you could just hand him the award now and I don't think anyone would be upset about it. Well, he had an incredible year. I mean, 1.8 points per game. It was We haven't seen something like that in 25, 30 years in the National Hockey League. And I know people will sit there and say, well, it's Canada, the Canadian division. I got news for you. The Oilers are going to be in an easier division next year when they go back into the Pacific. Yeah. Grand, granted, Vegas is a really good team, but Edmonton was better than uh, Calgary and Vancouver each of the last two regular seasons. The three California teams are rebuilding, and then you have an expansion team with Seattle, and everybody's learned from their mistakes with Vegas what not to do. So I don't expect Seattle to be... Uh, Seattle's going to build differently just by virtue that they got the number two overall pick. So they're going to be a team to mm. watch here grow and develop in a different way. Uh, you know, it, it, this is the first year, as you know, Dave, I didn't get a travel. And that said, um, and we're a ways up there this year for practice, but you just see the intensity and the drive on a day-by-day basis from McDavid, from Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse. And that's why I'm fairly optimistic where the Oilers can go. I get it. The fans are disappointed with how the playoff end, ended. They should be. You know what? The team, there's no way they should have been swept in four straight games. they got to find a way to win one of those games in overtime against Winnipeg. But the reality is when your three best players are your hardest working and most driven, all of the guys that come after, they pick up on that. So what's that going to mean for Yamamoto and Pugliarvi as forwards? What's it going to mean for Bo- Roberg and Bouchard on defense? Ryan McLeod, you know, D- Dmitry Samarukov down the road. That, that That's why I'm fairly optimistic about where Edmonton could go. Yeah. And just one final point on, on McDavid. And I thought there's some people giving him some criticism about, oh, I, I don't like how he leads because they didn't like the how animated he was on the bench and, and you know, and, and talking to people in an intense way. And I think to me, I think that's showing the depth of a captain that he's willing to 
maybe do some things he's not comfortable with because the desire to win and the desire to bring everyone else along with him and, and have that same goal to, uh, you know, learn to be an elite team. I think that's just another layer that, that Connor McDavid adds to his, to his legacy as a captain. I mean, I think he's just willing to go outside the box and try different things. Uh, Dave, I think that the Oilers, certainly the two, and, and for two years in a row, I think Edmonton was hurt by not having fans in their building because the Oilers came yep. out flat against Chicago and they came out flat against the Winnipeg Jets. And they needed to jump on Winnipeg, and they didn't. Winnipeg at that point had Dubois and Oilers out of the lineup. They needed to secure a win in game one, and they didn't get it done. And, they, you know, they worked their way into that hockey game. And I think if there was fans at Rogers' place, they would have been ready to go off the get-go. In terms of what you're saying about McDavid, uh, you know what? There's different ways to lead. There's maturation that takes place with players. The biggest reason why Edmonton, as you know, you know, didn't get past Winnipeg is they lacked depth and they ran into a goalie with a 950 save percentage. And Connor yep. felt the Connor felt the pressure. And the fact of the matter is, he was very productive in the final two games of that series. So I'm with you. I think everybody's just, you know. I don't know how much stuff you actually pick up from the sidelines when you and Morley are calling games and you're sitting there trying to watch the play and watch the formations and see who's in motion and that sort of thing and then pick up the line play. But, you know, when the Eskimos in the past were on defense and now the Elks and when they're, you know, when they're on, def uh, on defense on the field, you know there could be a very animated conversation between a quarterback and maybe a receiver that wants the ball. So that stuff happens in yeah. sport. People got to understand it comes with the territory. Yeah, no question about us. We're joined by Bob Stoffer, the host of Oilers Now, color analyst here on the uh, Oilers Radio Network, joining us on 630 Ted Inside Sports. So, you know, um, take social media for what it's worth. Um, you know, or you're on Twitter, I'm on Twitter. Um, I know you don't tweet very much, which is good. I don't, I've, I've tweeting less. That's probably good for me as well, because back, back way back when I used to be kind of a, a loud mouth on Twitter and I've, I've calmed that down. Um, you know, I, I like the analytics world. I think analytics has a place in, in, in the game of hockey, how people use it is amazing and how people get upset over a 12th to 14th forward signing a two year deal for $850,000. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I tell you, last night I, I could not imagine, or I could not, I could not have predicted the vitriol some people had over Devin Shore signing this deal. It's eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a guy who may not play every day, but when he does, I, you know, I mean, there's 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 not the best metrics five on five, but you know, I don't know. It's just. <laughs> To me, there's bigger fish to fry here. I think that's what I'm saying here, Bob, is like, why are we getting upset over this signing? Or some people are getting upset over this signing. I just find it amusing. I had somebody say something to me today. They said, Bob, you've, you've lent too much credence to the analytics group in town. You've been one of the guys that's been open and, and put some of those guys on the show. And, uh, and I'm like, well, I, th I, I think there's some really smart people that are grinding away at work. And when yeah. you, you know, here, here's the deal, Dave, when, when your organization and I, you know, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group and Chorus is a partner of the Oilers, uh, you're in partnership with the Edmonton Elks. Okay. We want to see those teams be successful, but when there's failure, I mean, you were dealing with this towards the end of the Machocha regime and it took a couple of years to get out a lot with Tillman. And then obviously, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jones came in with Chris Jones. Is that yeah. his name? He came in and, yep. and got got things steered in the right direction. 
But when you don't make, like the Oilers didn't make the playoffs 12 out of 13 years. And, you know, they got bounced out, you know, didn't didn't advance each of the last two seasons, even though they had really good regular seasons. And with that comes criticism. So you're just going to have to accept that there's a degree of it. I thought it was, like you, a little bit misplaced on Devin Shore. I mean, the writing was on the wall. He was playing in triple overtime on one of the three lines for the Oilers. That was a total mm-hmm. precursor that the Oilers were going to extend him. And uh, you know what? I, I, I realized that the goal share wasn't great for him. He started 65% of his shifts in the defensive zone with a centerman usually in Juju Arcaro that's about a 42, 43% faceoff man. So his line mm-hmm. didn't have the puck, and he was having to defend. So I think he's a useful support player. We'll see how much he plays. He can PK. Uh, you know, he's he, we're looking at probably a fourth-line left wing, and we'll see what sort of caliber they get on their top three left wing spots here because those are obviously going to be targets to improve for the upcoming season. And if you prorate him maybe over a – so he only played 36 games, I believe, if I got that correct. He, he scored nine points. You prorate that over 82, it's it's a 20-point season. Now, he's probably not an everyday player, but for the minutes he plays, um, I, I don't think this is a bad guy that you can have on the ice. I mean, he's got a, a little bit of an ability to finish. Now, you, you mentioned the triple overtime game. I don't think you want Devin Shore playing on a second line, but – you know, I think he showed in that in that overtime that the bulldog mentality and the, the willingness to really compete and battle is probably what the Oilers need, you know, coming into next season and the season after that. But you probably need more guys up in the top six to score. And, and, we're, and this leads to, you know, what they need ultimately. And um, I know Reed has said on this show, maybe they need six more players, right? And I, I, I said they probably need two left wingers. I don't know if they need another, another right winger, although I think there's maybe the decision on, on Yamamoto. But uh, what can the Oilers get done here, you think, in the summertime, uh, realistically, as far as uh, the players that they have to resign versus the player, or, or along with players that they would like to bring in? Well, if you're looking at the left wing, I think there's a couple different scenarios. Uh, if they re-sign Nugent Hopkins, and let's just say for the sake of argument, he's $6 million a year. And if they bring in Zach Hyman, that's going to be $6 million a year. That's $12 million. Well, now you are looking at a million-dollar third-line left wing. Uh, yeah. But if they, for the sake of argument, bring back Nugent Hopkins, and maybe they're in the next tier down, and it's Mike Hoffman at $4 million, well, maybe you're looking at a third-line left wing at, at $2 million and a third-line center at uh at two to three million dollars so and and i will tell you the center depth out there is not deep they have ryan mcleod i think in a perfect world they like to play mcleod as the fourth line center so they're you know they're going to re-sign adam larson that's a given it's probably going to happen sometime in the next two weeks two to three weeks he'll be protected in the expansion draft nugent hopkins for me is a 50 50 scenario but there are going to be agents that want to place players here because they saw what tyson berry did uh, on a one-year deal at $3.75 million, and he's probably going to get five and a half to $6 million I could see, per year. I could see Seattle stepping up. I could see Boston potentially stepping up for Tyson Berry as well. Okay, the uh, Montreal Canadiens are waiting for an opponent. They may get that tonight if Vegas wins, or this could be a Game 7. Um, this might be a strange question because the answer could be none of the teams, but which team do you think the Canadians match up better against the Avs or the, uh, or the, or the Golden Knights? Wow. That's to me, that's, yeah. I, I mean, I would too, a week ago, I would have said they, they match up better against Vegas right now. I'm mm-hmm. thinking they probably, uh, 
I, I think they match up better against Colorado. I don't think Colorado's going to be able to win back-to-back games. Like, Vegas has, Vegas has taken the middle of the ice away, um, and Vegas has got Marc-Andre Fleury. I, I, I think yeah. that's a tough just, – just in goaltending alone, you know, it's kind of like quarterbacks, right? Who's got the better quarterback? Well, that team is usually the team that's fairly, you know, some people would say offensive and defensive lines. But if you got mm-hmm. a quarterback, if you got a quarterback that's on another level than the guy that you're going up against, usually your team's favored in games. So, uh, with all due respect to Grubauer, the, the reality is that, uh, you know, if we ended up having a matchup between Carey Price and Mark Andre Fleury, Jack Michaels and myself will be fighting all playoffs because he's a Fleury guy and I'm a Price guy. But I think the tougher matchup <laughs> is against Vegas for Montreal. I think. I think now Colorado has shown some weaknesses, and, and and I think the Canadians might be able to get to it. I think they'll be hard-pressed to beat Vegas. Yeah, no question. Bob, always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. I uh, hope you're well, and uh, I hope to see you soon down the road as well. It's only been 15 months, Dave. <laughs> What's another few weeks, right? Or a few months. I hope it's not a few months. But anyway, always good to talk to you, okay? Uh, yeah, anytime, Dave. Take care. You take care. Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now and color analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just can't see the Avalanche winning too straight as well. And when you look at the Vegas, I mean, you look at tonight, you can go power versus power. You can go Chandler Stevenson's line who has uh, Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. You go directly up against Nathan McKinnon. Mikko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog, well, they have gone to get up against each other. And the Stevenson line has two goals. The uh, the McKinnon line only has zero, or has zero, but, man, it has been all Stevenson's line. And then if you get them off the ice, then you got Marshall's line to, to, to put up with. So, yeah, I agree with Bob. I think, uh, I think the Canadians would be better pressed to play the or a better matchup to play the Az, but I just don't think they're going to have that. They're going to be likely playing the Vegas Golden Knights, and who knows what can happen. We never thought the Canadians could get this far. Could they get to the Stanley Cup final? I'd say that's pretty much a reach, but you never know. Back in a moment. Sure, speaking with Bob Stoffer earlier today on Oilers Now and talking about, look, signing for $850,000, my average annual value over two years, it's really not a big deal. That's not the first thing, and that's not the reason I signed. We're all still kids who, who love playing, and, and it really is a privilege to play in the NHL. It's a special league, and, and uh, you know, for and, and you know, I don't think, like, for me specifically, and, and I know a lot of guys are the same, I've, I've never played for the money. Of course, you will. Like I said, it, it's it's part of it. You got to go through the negotiation process. It's all good, but um, to be to be an oiler and and to be part of this group, um, like I just said, I, I really love this group and believe in it. it it's it's exciting times, and and uh, you know there there are no bad days in the NHL, so we're we're excited to to get going. It, it's going to be a fun a fun off season, quick off season, and and, and get right back at it. Connor McDavid nominated for the Hart Trophy, along with Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche and Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It'll be a runaway winner uh, for Connor McDavid. Uh, I think we can predict that. CFL season, oh so close to being approved. Board of Governors vote 
on Monday. The players today and the league agreed on a amended CBA for a 2021 season. There are some provisions and conditions, uh, possibly 35% attendance. That all has to be approved by all governments and health authorities. The return to play has been approved. Uh, Public Health Agency of Canada has the approvals from there has the return to play protocols in their hands now after it has been approved by all the six or all six provinces. So that is very exciting. When we come back, we'll uh, keep the hockey theme going. Edmonton Oil Kings had a great season, third straight Central Division title. And they got a couple of players who could be really, really high up in the uh, draft and possibly maybe a goaltender that could be in the uh, reach of the Edmonton Oilers. We'll be joined by Kurt Hill. We'll talk some UFC. And a really cool story about a grad ceremony at Remax Field tomorrow, thanks to the Edmonton Riverhawks. It is Campbell in for Wilkins on 630 Chad Inside Sports, back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.